I appreciate the readiness of everyone to join in, but uh, that's, uh, that's just the introduction to the Dhamma talk, so if you want to give the Dhamma talk this evening, then that's, that's, your, uh, that's your preamble. So, so uh, I presume that was just the keenness to, to be joining in. So uh, uh, I realize that many people have uh, traveled long distances um, to get here today and um, getting uh, settled in and sorted out. Uh, so I'll try not to, to go on too long uh, this evening, Just, uh, but I feel it's um, important to offer some, um, uh, say, basic guidance and um, set the... Uh, 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 the tone for the uh, the coming time together. So this is the the longest retreat that uh, Amravati uh, organizes for the lay community during the course of of the year, uh, just uh, short of a couple of weeks. And so um, some of you who are old hands might think, ah, two weeks, piece of cake. <laughs> Done this loads of times. And some of you might be thinking, two weeks. <laughs> it stretches out before you like a you know, an infinite landscape. But uh, at the beginning of a, of a retreat, whether we're an old hand and this is all very familiar to us, and uh, we've done uh, dozens of retreats before, or we're we're fairly new, or we've never been here before, and uh, it's unfamiliar territory, uh, I feel it's always good at the beginning of a of an occasion like this to just be um, bringing attention to what our attitude is, to be uh, noticing whether we are, uh, say, filled with uh, excitement and, and interest, uh, whether we're filled with dread, um, whether it's uh, familiar or unfamiliar, that uh, it's important to um, notice what our attitude is, what, what our expectations are uh, as they arise. And also just uh, to notice and to, to note those as expectations, because none of us know how this time is going to be for us. It's a, it's a fact of nature that the future is uh, intrinsically uncertain. We, uh, we don't know what's going to happen. So those of you who might have done dozens of retreats and be an old hand or an old sitter, uh, might uh, find that this is uh, suddenly extraordinarily challenging, challenging and difficult, and that uh, uh, things um, can can come up. We maybe have some kind of illness or injury that uh, makes the the whole time very uh, difficult, or or, or a, um, brings tests and uh, obstacles and challenges that uh, you, you never had to deal with before. And uh, or others might be thinking, oh dear, two weeks, oh, I'm not really ready for this. I'm out of my depth already and we're only you know, halfway through the first evening. And uh, and then it can be that uh, everything unfolds very smoothly and easily and we're, we're having a grand old time. And it's a, a very uh, delightful and uh, peaceful and insightful uh, occasion. And some of you might be thinking, oh, I'll have some of that. <laughs> that sounds good. But uh, uh, whatever it might be, it's not so much, uh, it's not so crucial as to what the exact sort of projections or anticipations are that the mind 
produces, but to, to know right now, in this moment, this is an anticipation, this is expectation, this is the mind trying to fill up the unknown, the prospect of the, of the future, with uh, a, a, an image, an idea. It's uh, filling it up with a, uh, a hope or a fear or a belief or a, a projection. And that, that, uh, that projection is happening here and now. That's what uh, is uh, something that we can know directly and fully and completely without any kind of um, delusion. We can know, oh yeah, the mind is, is creating expectations, it's creating hopes, it's creating, cre creating fears. Um, and uh, in that uh, bringing the attention to what's, uh, what's present, what, the, what is uh, actually uh, arising, then we are we are in that moment fulfilling the main purpose or the main also the main method of, of meditation and that would uh, say the the effort of a of a time like this the the the, um, uh, the main effort that we are say learning to develop and also uh, what can bring the greatest benefits is simply learning to train the, the mind to pay attention to the present moment, to the reality of the here and now, and to uh, to see that this is where we can make a difference in our life. We can't change the past, it's already happened, uh, we can't rearrange that, the future hasn't arrived yet, so those are out of our scope. We can't uh, We can't do anything about either of those. But what we can do is we can have an effect on the present moment, you know, this is where reality happens in the present, and this is where we can make a difference. So the, the Buddha over and over again, uh, in many different circumstances, encouraged um, the development of mindfulness, the, uh, the quality of uh, attention to the present moment, and learning to see what is helpful and beneficial and, uh, say, leading towards clarity and, and towards understanding, towards peacefulness here in the present, and what is leading towards more confusion or, or difficulty or, or stress uh, within us in, in the present moment. And by learning to see what brings benefit, what brings harm, then we are, are say, uh, encouraged to, and it's, it's uh, fairly obvious, we, we are encouraged to develop the skills that lead towards more clarity and peace for ourselves and to uh, incline away from, to let go of those things that that bring harm, bring obstruction, and, and increase our, our confusion. So, uh, one of the things I encourage uh, very actively uh, at the beginning of a retreat, and um, uh, in terms of, of how things might be, whether they're um, uh, easy or difficult, or, or sort of easy at the beginning and then, then they get difficult later, or difficult at the beginning and they get easier later, or however it might be, is to set the intention, a clear and conscious intention, to learn from whatever happens, to say, bring the, the mind to uh, um, the, uh, uh, the present moment with an attitude of of inquiring, what is this teaching me? What can I learn from this? So if things are very smooth and easy, our body is comfortable and relaxed, the mind is, is focused and peaceful and bubbling with, uh, with uh, interesting and um, liberating insights, or whether the mind is just agonizing over 
um, painful memories, uh, gnawing anxieties, ter uh, terrors about the future, or whether you get some um, uh, horrible illness. It's not un uncommon. To, uh, I've had this experience myself. You know, you're in perfect health, everything is going fine. You show up on the beginning, on the on the, the first day of the retreat, and suddenly you are hit by this uh, uh, tremendous. Uh, cold, you've got a you know, runny nose, your eyes are streaming, and particularly if you're teaching a retreat, it's really inconvenient. <laughs> you're trying to give Dhamma talks or give meditation instruction and your your nose is sort of pouring, you know, your eyes are running and you're sneezing and coughing and spluttering. Really inconvenient. <laughs> exactly what you, you don't want to happen. But if we're, if we're wise, then rather than grumbling and complaining or, or begrudging the fact that uh, your nose is running and your eyes are streaming and uh, you're coughing and sneezing uh, you uh, and say oh this is this is uh, yeah, so rotten so irritating why is it always like this <laughs> what have i done to deserve this and the mind uh, taking refuge in complaining and and uh, wishing things were otherwise instead if we if we're wise what we'll we'll do is we'll say oh what's this what's this teaching me what lesson is being learned uh, uh, from this particular experience what what is this uh, got to show me and uh in this way if we uh if we hear these words and then we pick them up and and then set that intention and not just on this first evening but uh, as the the retreat um, proceeds like each day uh, at the beginning of each day I find it's it's very useful important to to um, re-establish reaffirm this intention say okay whatever happens today whatever happens during this period of sitting meditation or walking meditation uh, then it's my intention to learn uh, from that well, whether it's pleasant or painful expected or unexpected familiar or unfamiliar um, uh, it's got uh, something to to teach me. There's uh, lessons that it can bring, even if it's a uh, you know a horrible illness, your runny nose, or a, you know, a, a wrenched knee, or I've even had uh, one retreat I was leading a few years ago. Somebody had to go off to to the hospital and have an have an angioplasty during the middle of the retreat. She had to have like heart surgery during the retreat. Just so happened to. Uh, Several, his wife and several other members of the Buddhist group were there as well. So they all went. Off, you know, three other people went off to the hospital with him. Spent three days at the hospital. So he went off for surgery on the Tuesday. Uh, came back on the Friday, and he was determined to finish the retreat. So that focused everybody's attention. <laughs> Suddenly, there's this empty cushions where uh, this uh, fellow had gone off to have this emergency surgery, and. Uh, and then you're conscious of the fact that the, the fellows who are under, under the knife in the hospital, having his heart operated on, having uh, his uh, the, the blood vessels you know, around his heart uh, rearranged, and then uh, and then when he came, and then getting news news trickling in from the hospital, and then when they he came back, and his uh, wife and other friends all came back together, then. Uh, it's right there you got a huge teaching on the, the 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 dependent and fragile nature of the body right there you have a a teaching on unpredictability so he he didn't realize he was prone to angina and heart heart disease and then suddenly one morning <laughs> he was uh, 
he was sort of knocked sideways and then and uh, taken off to hospital in the ambulance. So I'm not predicting. Uh, some of you might be thinking, "Oh dear, <laughs> why don't they give a health warning on these retreats?" You know, on the on the information handout. That, that, um, but uh, yeah, I'm not uh, making any predictions about whether things will get uh, physically dangerous for any of us. But just to to be able to uh, take that in and to see even being uh, 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 taken off to hospital during the course of a, a retreat is not an obstacle to insight. It's not an obstacle to to practicing dhamma. Because you, know, you might be, and as that fellow said afterwards, said, well, there, you know, there I was in the hospital, and I was thinking of all of the the other fifty of you <laughs> sitting there in the retreat center, and so I was just trying to continue my retreat, sitting in my hospital bed, and uh, with all sorts of tubes and wires and and uh, and the machines uh, uh, all around him. So when we do this, then uh, what we're then uh, able to to establish is a, a, a fundamental right attitude towards our experience. Yeah, we're uh, we're seeing where the mind uh, creates um, tension, where the mind creates dukkha uh, or suffering. This word uh, Pali word dukkha literally means uh, that which is hard to bear, or that which is uh, Unsatisfying, unsatisfactory, and uh, that's the uh, the word suffering is is, uh, is deceptive because also um, happiness and, and good fortune can also be dukkha insofar as when things are, are very sweet and and very delightful and exactly as we wish them, they they are also dukkha insofar as they can't stay that way or they can they also they can be a cause for uh, for discontent. So. You might think, well, that's a really sour attitude towards life. <laughs> how can happiness be unsatisfactory? Or how can happiness be suffering? It's, that's an oxymoron. It's ridiculous. But uh, it's uh, it's very simply the case, like many of us, um, you might remember some other retreat that we've had where we had some sort of wonderful, blissful experience. The mind drops into a clear, balanced, bright uh radiant state and you think, wow, oh, this is great. This is the real stuff. Oh, how wonderful. My practice is really coming together. This is marvelous. This is what I've been waiting for all these years. Fantastic. And the mind is so peaceful and clear and just uh, utterly content and radiant. And then uh, the next sitting, then you're you're eager to get back to that uh, that wonderful state and you think, and then you sit down and think, oh, now, how did I get to that? What was it that I did? Okay, let's let's just replicate what I did before because I really want to get back to that. That state was so good. That was so nice. That was so wonderful. Now, and then you find yourself maneuvering and manipulating and trying to recreate that that experience. And the very fact that it was so delicious, it was so wonderful, it was so perfect, it makes it even more tantalizing that you can't get back to it. And you think. Well, it was. I think there was a patch of sunlight that was coming through the window, so maybe I can move myself over so I get a bit more sun on my face. Or, you know, I think I had the cushions sort of arranged in a certain way, and <laughs> you know, on and on and on. We can we can uh, uh, think. Well, now I spent the first couple of minutes doing body sweeping, and, and then and then I and then I and and we're fussing and fretting and and creating more confusion for ourselves.
There's a story that uh, I don't know if this is true, but I know I know it's a story <laughs> that uh, uh, Leo Tolstoy, the uh, famous Russian author, was a a, a wealthy landowner, and um, he used to like to go out and, and work with the uh, the the farm workers, the serfs in the in the fields during the the harvest, and he liked to to scythe the corn along to, uh, together with the rest of the, the the laborers and on one particular occasion one summer he was out with his scythe and, and slicing the cutting the the corn down and his mind uh, became absorbed into this this state of, of um, rhythmically scything the uh, the corn and it was this most wonderful and blissful state, the most extraordinary and beautiful thing he'd ever experienced. And at the end of the day, there was acres and acres of corn that he had cut. And so he thought, well, that was great. Or the Russian equivalent of that. <laughs> well, that was wonderful. That was marvelous. And the story goes that he spent the next 20 years similarly cutting acres and acres of corn, trying to get... <laughs> Trying to get into the same rhythm, trying to get the same wonderful, beautiful, bright experience back again, and never really quite managing it because the the whole attitude was one of, "I want to get it. I've got to have it. Uh, it's uh, it's it's just it's just over there. You know, any minute now, I'll, I'll get there, and then won't that be wonderful?" So this is how you know, even pleasant and beautiful, wholesome uh, states can be a, a cause of of dissatisfaction, of, of discontent, because they. Uh, they can be a cause for that quality of attachment and possessiveness. So I would encourage during this during this time to to be developing that consciously, bringing that to mind. To ask yourself at the beginning of the day, okay, or to set the intention at the beginning of the day to learn uh, what uh, what every experience can 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 uh, can teach you. Whether it's informal meditation or whether it's just you know walking between the meditation hall and your room or going out to to walk outside or you know, eating your breakfast or drinking a cup of tea or whatever it might be just to to be bringing that quality of inquiry and reflection into being so we're we're learning to to develop an examined life we're learning to examine our life to notice the mind states that we're experiencing and Whenever the mind moves towards that creation of dukkha, that creation of discontent, which usually is uh, built up around complaining about things or um, you know, worrying, um, thinking that you know, life is unfair or it shouldn't be this way or that happiness is just out of reach, um, just to, to be noticing that the mind is doing that, that the mind is creating a, a reasonable complaint it's it's uh, it's uh, say uh, creating the idea that that happiness is somewhere else, peace and, and fulfillment is somewhere else, you know, somewhere off in the future, over there, next week, after a couple of days, yeah, you know, after the first three days, then it gets a lot easier, you know, <laughs> then and then and then and then, and just to to say, well, okay, maybe it'll be the case that that things get more peaceful and and clear in a few days' time, but right now it's now. <laughs> It's this moment. It's the first evening. It's, it's, uh, it's here. It's now. This is it. This is the big moment. Not even when the first evening has passed by and we've got, and uh, got underway with the retreat and we're all settled in. Not even then. It's, it's always now is where the Dhamma is to be realized. And this is where we can 
can see, oh, the mind is, is creating anticipation, the mind is creating complaint, the mind is, is feeling that the, the world is, is out of balance, or it shouldn't be this way, or it's, you know, things are not fair. And that uh, in seeing the mind creating that kind of tension and stress, that kind of, um, say, imbalance, then we can let go. We train ourselves to, to let go, to not create that, that uh, imbalance. And then we, we see, oh, of course, you know, how could uh, anything be um, out of order? How could the, you know, the laws of the universe not be operating properly just in this moment? Yeah. Of course, everything is functioning according to its own natural law. There's, there's nothing going wrong in this moment. Another aspect of the word dukkha that I like to reflect on is that um, it's said that the word is, ma- is made up of two parts, du and akka. And du means wrong or imbalanced or, or out, of, out of order or, or incorrect. And ak- the akka is like the English word axle. The akka is the hole at the center of the wheel that the axle goes through. And so the uh, the word dukkha is it, it's um, uh, derived from an image of a, of a wheel that's imbalanced. So that any of you have, have uh, ridden, tried to ride a bicycle where the wheels you know, not on square, or, or the more common experience of being in the airport with a, a luggage trolley with a with a, a bent wheel, or in the supermarket, and the, your your trolley is always kind of slamming into the carousel, or kind of. Or steering towards the the the, the rack of fruit juice, <laughs> or into the person in the in the aisle next to you in the in the supermarket, then uh, this is dukkha. This is the 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 uh, the, the the wheel not not spinning uh, uh, truly the wheel, uh, on its uh, on its axle. The wheel being out of kilter. This is the sort of uh, epitome of of dukkha. That things are, are are out of balance, so that uh, when we are, are able to to notice that the mind moving towards uh, complaining, towards you know, longing for the past, or longing for the future, you know, uh, regretting the past, resenting the past, or fearing the, fearing the future, just to to be able to notice that's what the mind is bringing to the moment, and to to train ourselves to let go. Another aspect of this that I also like to to stress at the uh, the start of a retreat is um, to uh, set the intention to to work with the mind with an attitude of kindness. Uh, the word metta or metta bhavana, uh, loving kindness meditation, we often think of as being a a specific or, or separate practice that um, we are. Uh, uh, able to to do that there's various kind of guidance or, or methods for cultivating metta loving kindness so um, and most commonly it's spoken about uh, uh, as a specific uh, meditation or a visualization but um, rather than just seeing metta as a separate and uh, and sort of additional practice of how to develop the quality of loving kindness I prefer and I feel it's more helpful to to see that uh, that attitude of loving kindness, we we need to establish that as the the basic mode with, in, in which we're working, that rather than metta being a, a sort of separate extra practice, sort of off at the edge, or like a, a little extra that you do at the end, sort of 
five minutes of metta at the end of the day, or like like a kind of after dinner mint. <laughs> but uh, rather, it's uh, it needs to be the whole way that we are working with the mind, whether we're doing walking meditation or sitting meditation, or just trying to to uh, carry out our, our chore or eat our food uh, in a mindful way. That uh, it's it's uh, say the very fabric of of, of uh, the attitude, the very substance of the attitude that we we need to to bring to each moment uh, is that uh, that attitude of loving kindness. And so, uh, one one uh, element of this uh, that uh, Lumpur Sumato's talked about. Um, uh, at great length over the years is to point out that the English word love or, or, or loving kindness that that tends to imply um, trying to make ourselves like everything when we say to love something or to have loving kindness towards all things or towards all, all beings he uh, years and years ago uh, he began to point this out that uh, we can misread that or misunderstand that to to mean that we're we're trying to find uh, a way to like everything but uh, loving is not the same as liking and that uh, uh, as he would very helpfully point out some things are impossible to like like if you have a a, a headache for 3 days you know <laughs> Or uh, you know, pulled muscles in your, you know, or um, strained tendons in your knee, and there's sort of agonizing uh, ache, pain in your in your knee. You can't like that. This is not. It's not likable. And, and uh, so to to assume or to to presume that that to have meta is to try and make yourself like the pain in your knee, or to like the three day headache, or to. Uh, uh, say to to like the person who's you know, some person who's done great harm to you, then uh, we're we're asking too much of ourselves. And we're also asking the wrong thing because uh, loving kindness does not mean trying to like the unlikable, and because it's like like say tasting something that's bitter and trying to pretend that it's not bitter but it's actually sweet. No, we need to be realistic and say no. This is this is bitter. <laughs> This is this is a bitter taste. That's a painful memory. This is this is a painful sensation in the body. That's what it is. But rather, it's not uh, trying to make ourselves like the unlikable, but rather to radically and totally accept what is here. So that if there's a bitter taste, to recognize this is bitter. You know, this is uh, something that can be experienced. We have a tongue. We it's able to perceive flavors. Uh, there are sweet flavors, there are sour flavors, there are bitter flavors. That this is a bitter taste. That's what it is. It's nothing has gone wrong. It's not bad. It's just uh, it's just a flavor that we can experience, and here it is. It's like this. So this is uh, this quality or thinking of metta as more being a radical acceptance, a wholehearted acknowledgement and recognition. Yeah, th- this is what's here. This is a, a pain in the body, or a, yeah, a, a, a feeling of, of regret, or a sense of a grief at the loss of a loved one, or the the um, uh, the, um, the great variety of different painful experiences that we can have, psychological or physical. Just to be able to recognize, here it is. This is what's happening in this moment. Uh, it's not. Uh, it's not pleasant. Uh, it's not. Um, it's not delicious. 
but here it is this is this is what's happening this is what's being experienced there's no there's nothing whatsoever wrong with it it is just what it is it's just a taste it's just a flavor it's just a, a, a mood and just an emotion and and in that um you're not trying to sugar over sugar it over and pretend that the 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 bitter is sweet but you're you're recognizing yeah it's bitter but it's all right it's sad but it's all right there's grief but it's all right this is something that we can experience this is you know, a painful memory or a deep regret or a a feeling of loss or a pain we realize we can be patient with it we can be kind we can be kind towards it insofar as uh, if we don't start a fight against it or or um say uh develop negativity towards it or, or resent its presence we can be at peace with it we can be open to it we can say recognize that it's just a part of the natural order it, that it fundamentally belongs and then even though there is maybe some painful emotion or painful sensation uh we're not creating dukkha around it so there's there's pain but no suffering there's no wrongness being ascribed to that the mind is not seeing it as wrong or bad or should not be and essentially that feeling of dukkha is that that uh, attitude of it. it shouldn't be this way this is not fair this is not right the the universe is out of order at this moment so when we we let we we let go of that we establish the attitude of of metta that is what uh, is the way we do that that the supporting that letting go is establishing that quality of acceptance so yeah well it's not pleasant i'm not i wouldn't ask for this but here it is <laughs> they, our, our friend in in uh, the states a, a few years ago who had the angioplasty it was not what he would have wished for that oh <laughs> how can i make my my retreat more interesting you know i know what <laughs> i have a massive angina attack and have a trip to the hospital you know that'll brighten things up a bit <laughs> no not be that's ridiculous we're not we're not looking for more trouble or more pain or difficulty but what we realize is that if we establish that attitude of loving kindness radical acceptance then what we we're, uh, we're able to do is to bring our our uh, our attitude into alignment with the reality of the way things are we're bringing our heart into accord with dhamma to say this is how it is this is this is the way things are so if we have that attitude of acceptance as the uh, uh, the very as the basis of the way that we're working then that becomes a very strong foundation for concentration uh, and for for insight and uh, my experience is that you really you can't really develop any kind of concentration or insight unless there is a foundation of loving kindness so rather than metta being a sort of optional extra a sort of uh, added on as a, a sort of secondary practice it's more like the the bedrock in terms of attitude of, of uh, what's needed in order to really develop uh, concentration and to really develop insight because if we don't have that quality of of acceptance then when we try to to concentrate the mind then we find ourselves fighting against our thoughts fighting against our memories or fighting against our, our planning mind you know, that uh, it becomes our, our thoughts become the enemy they become something that uh, are resented and rejected and uh, we uh, if we are rather than than contending against 
the chattering mind, the thinking mind, or 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 um, against memories or expectations, but rather developing an attitude of of kindness, uh, of acceptance towards them, then we're able to know. Okay, this is the, the the thinking mind is going on, but okay, it's a thought, but I don't have to follow it. I can just notice it, that it's there and and let it go. I can steer away from it. Uh, it's not the enemy. It's not an intruder. It's not an infection. It's not wrong. <laughs> and so then, the, in Buddhism, rather than the the um, uh, having a, a, the the aphorism or the or the understanding that the end justifies the means, so you you, know, you rather it's the end and the means are unified. So uh, the Buddha recognized you that it's impossible to develop peace of mind by using an aggressive and uh, and contentious uh, me- uh, method if you want peace you have to peace has to be your method if you want clarity then then clarity has to be your your method if you want um to uh, arrive at at uh, uh at a quality of, of focus or of calmness then you have then the calmness has to be your method uh, as well as um yeah, the uh, yeah, the other you know, wholesome qualities that we bring to it. If you try to to arrive at at calmness by by you know, attacking your thoughts, if you if you make your your thoughts and your emotions into the enemy, and we we uh, say try to to banish all of our uh, say uh, uh, words and and uh, ideas of the mind to try and wipe out our emotions in order to to be peaceful, then our, our mind becomes a battleground, and you might just by sheer force be able to sort of make things go quiet or just sort of <laughs> still things just by sheer will. But it won't last. Uh, the the the, uh, the end and the means are unified. They're the, they're the same thing. So that if you if you want a peaceful end, you must use a peaceful means. If you want to have a a, a, an, a mind that abides in loving kindness, so you need to use loving-kindness as as the means.